Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome, everyone, to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits in your daily life that can make you too happier. Today, we welcome the amazing John Perkis. He's the best-selling author of The Power of Letting Go, and he's going to talk to us today about the habit of completion and his completion technique, as he describes in his beautiful work. Um, please listen with us to how you too can learn to let go and live a life that's more present, peaceful, and calm, and live what I love so much that John talks about in his work, In the Flow. So, John, thank you so much for being here. It's really an honor for me. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, yes. And let me just introduce you because you have a beautiful bio. At least I'll start it off and I'll let you tell the rest of your awesome story. But John grew up in England and he studied economics at Cambridge. He went on to receive an MBA and receive the Henry Ford II Prize. And later, he was very successful, of course, having all these accolades. But after being diagnosed with depression, he realized he did not know how to live a successful and fulfilling life. This may resonate with many of you listeners. And I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story because I want John to let tell us what happened from that point onward, what led him here to be a best-selling author and be with us here today. So, John, if you want to tell us sort of your first start off with your journey um, you went on to study finance and be super successful and found yourself at this sort of crucible moment. What happened then that brought you here to your successful self today? Um, yeah, so what, what happened was um, I, I grew up with the unspoken assumption that if you're intelligent and hardworking, you're going to have a happy and successful life. I mean, I don't recall anyone saying that explicitly, but that was, that was, yes. that was the deal. And and I was surrounded by children who were kind of on that track. And I went to a, a free a state school, a free school, but it was very academic. And lots of us went to Oxford and Cambridge. And, mm-hmm. you know, the idea is it's all going to be fine. Um, I worked in banking and management consulting. I went to INSEAD, so business school, and that worked brilliantly. But the underlying problem was that I was um, – perfectly qualified to be either an investment banker or a management consultant and having worked in both occupations i knew i didn't want to do either of them mm-hmm. i mean i enjoyed the work but i just thought these are intelligent people working in a not very intelligent way because they were making themselves ill um, mm-hmm. just, just overwork presenteeism all that stuff mm-hmm. like there, mm-hmm. there are intelligent ways to get work done efficiently and they weren't doing it so I thought, well, I don't want to work in that culture. And I decided eventually I would either like to be a, fu- uh, a fund manager, so manage investments, or be a headhunter and recruit people. I don't know either of those. Anyway, and so, um, but then what, what I realized, and this is how I got diagnosed with clinical depression, is I realized that you need a lot of intuition to invest money or recruit people. Mm-hmm. And I I'm Mr. Super Analytical, and my intuition seemed to have stopped. (laughs) (laughs) I have friends, actually, who are still like this. You can be so analytical that your intuition doesn't function. And 
I, I'm defining intuition as immediate insight without reasoning, which is the, mm. I don't know if you remember the Microsoft NCARTA World English Dictionary, that's the best definition I've seen, which is you have an insight and it, and it came out of the blue. It doesn't come from a thought process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my, my understanding is, you know, the best scientists, mathematicians, that's how they operate. It comes out. Totally. I mean, Einstein, you know, he, it was like, it was just downloads, 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 you know, from, from a source, right? Yeah, exactly. And anyone who meditates, listening to this may have experienced this. I mean, I meditate mm -hmm. at least twice a day and I get downloads during the meditation. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. the point is when the thinking stops, the downloads come, right? Mm. But when I was 26, I didn't know any of that. All I knew was all about thinking. And um, anyway, so I was diagnosed with clinical depression because I realized, well, I'm perfectly qualified to do A or B. What I really want to do is C or D, and I don't have the intuition necessary to do that. So I'm stuck, aren't I? Right. Mm -hmm. And then I started waking up early and having suicidal thoughts. And three doctors and psychiatrists said, you have clinical depression. Please have some very strong pills. And if they don't, those don't work, you can have electroshock therapy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, actually, no, to be fair, they sent me off to see, I mean, it was almost comical. They sent me off to see, you, as you may know, um, Sigmund Freud spent the last years of his life in North London. And um, mm -hmm. some of his followers, well, certainly there are people in North London still doing that. And so I went off to see this man with the white beard and I lay on the couch and all of that. And what happened was we we analyzed all the problems. We didn't solve any of them. Right? So we identified the problem. Here are all the problems. Fine. No solution. Right? So, so if I fast forward quite a long time, uh, two things happened. One was I got completely stuck. I was running my own business in Paris, and I got completely stuck because the, there were all these strikes and the economy ground to halt. Mm -hmm. And... It, this may sound like an American self-help book, but um, I had no money. My relationship was ending. I was slightly depressed. I had sciatica and I couldn't pay the rent. So basically one of those. <laughs> yes, scenarios. the full Monty here. The full yes, Monty everything happening. Self-help disaster scenario. So, so, I, so basically my life, so I had all these marvelous qualifications and, you know, and I was running meetings in French and everything. And, and, and the result was a complete disaster. So being a bit of a social scientist, I kind of thought, well, on the one hand, this is really depressing. On the other hand, it's quite interesting because I appear to have done everything perfectly according to my upbringing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the results are not what I want. They're complete zero. Yes. yes. So I kind of got to the point of knowing that I didn't know. And mm. the big breakthrough, actually, I was reading an American self-help book uh, called... Um, <laughs> called uh, A Rich Man's Secret, right? So it sounded good. Like it's about how to make some money. Good. So I was reading this book and it's one of these novels which is kind of fabricated to make a point. And right. in, the, in this novel, he talks about the, the protagonist meets this man who's, who says, now no knows, return to now. So keep it's all about return to now. Yeah. So I was sitting there in Paris. I gave up working because working wasn't achieving anything. And I, um, I just experimented with returning to now so every time my attention wandered i would return mm -hmm. to now and then my, mm -hmm. so i started doing this and then and then i thought well okay so maybe i should just let go because nothing none of my efforts are translating into results so i'll just mm -hmm. let go and then the third thing having gone to church for 10 years 
I had at least absorbed that there was something more intelligent than my brain yes going on so the third thing i did was so it was be present i return to now let go and ask to be guided and i asked to be guided and a few days later an advert appeared in the newspaper and mm. and i and six months later i was in the perfect job and what was interesting about it was i was earning exactly the amount of money i've been trying and failing to earn for seven years and it mm. all happened as i let go as soon as i gave up all the struggle and effort I mean, I'm still working hard on this job, but I wasn't fighting. I was just being present. And and the other thing about being present is my intuition suddenly switched on. Like when I stopped yes. analyzing everything, I found, oh, I can now observe my thoughts, but I can also read other people's thoughts. Mm -hmm. so this job was with one of the five big executive search firms. And um, the really spooky part was, I won't go into detail, the really spooky part was after I got the job, I found this memo from human resource, from the chairman, right? Right, right. And it said, it said we're going to recruit um, someone just below partner and the perfect candidate would have the following five or six attributes. I was a perfect fit. I had all, can't remember, five or six, I had all of them. It was a bullseye. And what it showed me was, okay, so when I stopped all the analyzing and hard work, the cosmos moved me from disaster a to perfect job b right with wow. no friction so for me that was a major and people might say well that was just one incident yes but it was life-changing and i've done it repeatedly yeah. right yes so moral of story you know in the west we've been conditioned to believe that we're body minds trying to get what we want and avoid what yeah. we don't and that, my experience is it doesn't work or it only works up to a point if you really want to make things happen you have to tune in to the intelligence which is running the cosmos and then mm -hmm. <laughs> yes they happen well, we can't, we... and often on a bigger scale than you expected right yeah i mean it's this concept and it's been coming up in my work a lot lately is you know i i coach and so people come to me usually with a limiting behavior which is usually coupled with a limit some limiting beliefs and as we learn to let go of those things that don't serve us it's like you create all this space in your body or in your energy field for all the things that are waiting for you that yes. you aren't forcing to find you. It's like you don't have space for both. So yes. it's in this like letting go that we let in. It's this exactly. really reciprocal arrangement. And it's, it's amazing. I have one client specifically who's experiencing what you described. Um, she actually let go of drinking and in her place has come this amazing, these um, friendships that old friendships that have begun resolved that weren't resolved. These someone at work who was toxic left and all of these things. And she keeps selling, I'm in the, and I keep saying, she's like, what's happening. And I keep saying, you're in the flow. You're in the flow. This is it. This yeah. is the pinnacle moment. That's it's it true. It works yeah. like that. Yeah. It does work like that. I think the challenge um, I'm just reading, cause I'm, I'm working on a new book and I've just been reading the monk who sold his Ferrari you know that book i don't but i'll look into it that sounds amazing but it's, it's worth for people listening it's worth looking at how things have changed because that experience i've just described was in 1996 mm -hmm. and the power of letting go sorry the power of now by eckhart Tolle. yes yes yeah oh it was and when i learned to be present i didn't know what i was doing but i discovered later on oh that's called mindfulness <laughs> yes yes and, and it's interesting because eckhart Tolle doesn't use the word mindfulness he says it's a misnomer Mm -hmm. uh, but but anyway, so in 1997, which is 25 years ago, so um, the power of Na power of now is published, but also the monk who sold his Ferrari. 
And what's interesting to me is how much things have moved on since then. I mean, they're both really mm -hmm. successful books, but what you're saying about, so Swamiji, the guru that I follow, mm -hmm. Love short him. name, Yes. Um, he, he talks about inner space, your inner space. And at first I never understood what he meant by inner space, mm -hmm. but it's actually very simple is we have an inner space and if it's empty and we're really, which most people is not empty, but imagine it's empty and you hold this thing in your inner space that you want to manifest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It manifests, right? Equally, if you hold in your inner space, something that you don't want, that manifests, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the but the tricky part for most people is well every, practically everybody is we have these pain patterns which mm -hmm. are constantly generating thought negative thoughts mm -hmm. and nearly everybody is running around having experiences that they don't want because of all this rubbish which is in, in their inner space. <laughs> well, that's why I think it's really important to be clear on what we do want because most exactly. of us are very very clear on what we don't want. But you ask someone what they do want, and most people can't answer right away. I have that. I mean, I've just had, I've, I have calls with people who, um, so I, I, you know, I still recruit chief executives, chief financial mm -hmm. officers, whatever. And frequently they, I say, well, what do you want to do next? And they start talking about what they've done in the past or what their limitations are. And I just say, okay, in an ideal world, what would you want to do? Dropping all of the, mm -hmm. and then finally, 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 we get to what they want. <laughs> yes. It's rising to the surface and getting rid of all the other rubbish, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and I think that's true for most people. And my experience of, so the school that I went to, as I said, we, it sent lots of children to Oxford and Cambridge, but there, mm -hmm. there were also some suicides. Mm -hmm. that crowd. And um, as far as I can see what happens, I grew up in an environment where people some people either were mentally ill or became mentally ill. And I manifested that, right? Like I was in an environment where that was a possibility. Yeah. So, so tell us more. You, so you're in an environment where that's a possibility for you or for others, or when you say you manifested well, it. On the basis that we are all one consciousness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are. So the people I grew up with, um, I mean, in that era, um, quite a lot of my friends were Jewish because, as you may know, mm -hmm. a lot of Jewish people escaped from Nazi Germany in the mm -hmm. 30s. So their children, uh, some you know, now it's children, now it's grandchildren, but you know, their children and grandchildren mm -hmm. were growing up in England, and you know, they had parents who who basically, you know, the grandparents had been killed, yeah. and their parents had had a narrow escape, and and so, and they tended to be academically very talented, but also there's there's this backdrop of trauma and illness. In fact, someone I was at school with published a book uh, called Mending the Mind. I mean, I don't agree with the approach at all, <laughs> but we were at school together and he wrote this book called Mending the Mind. And, you know, he went to Oxford and then got clinical depression. Mm. Story. So um, it's kind of correlated. I think, what it, I think what it is, the underlying theme is trying to solve everything by thinking. So you grow up in an environment that's very academic where it's all mm -hmm. about thought. And then when you when you hit a problem, you try and solve it through thinking. And when you can't solve it through thinking, you become suicidal because the whole thing is so painful. Uh, well, how do I stop the pain? Well, one option is to kill myself. And I haven't been given any other options. Yeah. No, I mean, this is what I call neck up living, right? And our neck, work is neck up living. Isn't that? Yeah. And I think that, you know, I I 
ascribe to the belief that we should be really neck down living. Okay. Oh, I see. Yes. For the heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's this idea of like our body always knows before our brain does, our heart always knows before our brain does, but we've shut off the ability to hear those parts of ourselves. Well, definitely. I mean, as, yeah, I mean, what seems to happen is as children, we're intuitive. And then when we go through formal education, that most formal education will knock the intuition out of you, right? Yes, it will. If 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 you ever knew it was there, it's certainly well, you didn't know it was there, right? But and then yes, and, yes, and especially you wake when up you get an advanced degree and it's gone. This <laughs> is straight out of the window. <laughs> yeah, any kind of yeah, and it's interesting because I, I mean, I still have lots of friends from you know Cambridge or business school, and and some of them actually regard intuition as fuzzy thinking. And I said it's not fuzzy thinking; it's not thinking. And it's and, the clearest version of. And, and, and that's when the brain, that's when the real insights come. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us about this completion technique. I've read about it and I know about it, but for the, for well, listeners. Well, the thing is, it's not, it's not mine. I mean, I. Okay. It's not mine, but I, I tell everybody I know about it because it's so great. So uh, to, to give the backdrop, it's probably 10,000 years old. So mm. the principle is in. Um, Hindu scriptures and Shiva gave it to Parvati. So, you know, there's a, that, I mean, it's in, in the book, it gives the scriptural reference, right? Mm -hmm. So it's ancient and, and um, Swamiji. So uh, the short name is, is Paramahamsa Nityananda, which means eternal bliss. So when I got completely stuck yet again, eight years ago, (laughs) so I was meditating to give the context. I was meditating. I I learned to med- I learned mindfulness. Then later, I learned transcendental meditation, mm-hmm, TM. Which, was, which is also great because and I do it every day. Is it's deeply restful. I get practically no jet lag. Mm-hmm. You know, reduces wow. it. The health benefits are enormous, like heart heart. You know, reducing the risk of heart disease, etc. What's well, really ex- explain really quick. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but for listeners who may be wondering, what is TM? How does it differ okay. from trans- normal meditation? Yeah, so mindfulness is about being present, uh, normally mm-hmm. by putting your attention on your breath or your senses. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness also ultimately come, I mean, H- Hindus were doing mindfulness before the Buddha was born. Right? Mm-hmm. They all come from the same place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so transcendental meditation, uh, some listeners will know, was brought to the West by Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who taught the Beatles. So when you see pictures of the Beatles all wearing flowers and and there's a guy in a white outfit with a beard in the middle. That's Maharishi. So during the in the 60s, he brought transcendental meditation. And I find it much easier because you you instead of putting your attention on your breath and then your attention keeps wandering, you put your attention on a mantra. You think mm. a mantra, a sound, and then you're they call it going deep. You kind of drop into a fourth state of consciousness, which is not waking, sleeping, or dreaming. It's a fourth mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's deeply restful and people, I mean, for example, David Lynch, the filmmaker, there are loads of very creative mm-hmm. people. Do it. You're kind of tapping into the cosmos really. Um, mm. anyway, so I, so I was doing TM, but one thing I noticed, and this is like the beginning of the power of letting go is I noticed, you know, as, as an, as a headhunter, you know, recruiting really senior people and writing books and meditating, I noticed everybody's stuck in one of at least one of four areas. So if you look at mm-hmm. every human being, you look at health, wealth, relationships, money, everybody is stuck in at least one of those areas, right? Um, I mean, there are so many billionaires who 
who get they get cancer, they get divorced, their children die young. And then when I was hanging out with meditators, you know, a load of them are broke. Yes, you can be wealthy and be spiritually sound. Yes, this is a misnomer. Well, I have a belief that it's impossible, but but, but objective, if, if you stand back, you know, everybody keeps running into blocks in at least one of those areas. Right? Okay. And how uh, does wealth differ, just so I know, from money? Oh, sorry. Did I say right? So, sorry. Health, relationships, career. Okay. Money. Yep. Perfect. Money. So some people, yeah, are very wealthy and, and totally unfulfilled in their careers. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Of course. Right. Uh, so anyway, so I got, you know, I realized I was stuck in the area of money and relationships and 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 i was meditating i thought well how do i solve this so i did the same thing i let go i asked to be guided and i meditated and then two or three days later someone i'd met a couple of times sent me an email and a facebook message and said please come to this event and so i went to this event and and the the guru who we call swamiji was on a very poor internet connection Mm -hmm. And, but what he said made perfect sense because from my previous spiritual background, he'd written this book called Living Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. And I realized he was teaching us to live our whole lives the way that people. So if you, most people who meditate, they meditate and then the whole day is difficult. And he was Mm. teaching us to live our whole lives that way. So having, meaning live your whole life, how? So having your day be difficult? Well, no, no. So, so when it, when um, when people go very deep in mindfulness mm-hmm. or Zen meditation or in transcendental meditation, there's an experience of con- of, of pure consciousness where there are no thoughts, right? So you're yes. conscious that there are no thoughts, right? Some people have almost never experienced this, you know. But, but normally, I say to people, if you've been on top of a mountain or on top of a cliff and you see a beautiful scene, and maybe your your mind shuts down for a few mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. But within a few seconds, it starts saying, well, this is a bit like that place where I was last year, or is it time to eat my sandwiches? Or <laughs> It starts to be a monkey again. Yeah, the monkey kicks off again. But but normally for a few seconds, there'll be this gap of pure consciousness. Mm-hmm. And what I say to people is that gap, that's you. Because the thoughts come and go. The thoughts are not you. So many of us have been conditioned to believe that we are our thoughts. Yeah. Well, as soon as you eat meditation, you realize that's not true because your thoughts can shut down. Yes. Anyway, so the reason I latched onto what Swamiji was saying was he was talking about living enlightenment. And um and I just realized that he was talking from exactly the same tradition as mindfulness and transcendental meditation, but he was going a lot further. And he was mm. addressing uh, so I read half, half of his book, and then I went on a three-week program in India. But I, re- I went to learn a very specific technique, which we're going to talk about now. Yes. And the technique, so, so the principle is very simple. Um, as Freud and all these other people said, everybody has a traumatic experience before the age of seven. Yes. My experience of psychoanalysis is we didn't find a solution to that. When I came across Swamiji, I realized he did have a solution. And it's the opposite of what many of us have been taught in the West. So in the West, we've generally taught if something traumatic happens, you kind of push it aside and move on, right? Just focus on the positive, right? Yes. 
Yes, that's called spiritual bypassing for anyone who's yeah, spiritual bypassing is a good <laughs> word. Um, I sometimes joke that if 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 suppression was an Olympic sport, the English England men's team would win medals. Like, <laughs> we're brilliant at it. And and Swamiji Swamiji calls it putting a carpet on a wound. Yes, 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 yes. It's 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 not effective, guys. If you practice it in your own life, it is not effective. But right. we're going to learn how it is. Yes. I love the carpet metaphor because I can imagine this horrible infection. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's um, it's gross. But anyway, keep going. It's gross. So so the so I'll give a personal example. Right. So um I was listening, and this is the interesting thing about real gurus is you suddenly get flashes of insight in their presence. Mm. And the first time it happened to me, I hadn't even met him. I was on a on a a phone call, a conference call, and he was speaking. He was talking about wealth, which I was interested in. And I suddenly got this flash of insight, which was my first day at school. And my first day at school, um, this accent you, you may know, this is yeah, this is the accent which the BBC sells to foreigners. Yes, right? yes. This, <laughs> English, right. Traditional. <laughs> Yeah, and normally easy to understand. And uh, when I was a child, everybody on the BBC spoke that way. Yes. Um, yes. These days, um, we have all kinds of regional accents, right? But in those days, everybody spoke like this, or a mm -hmm. bit posh. And when I, um, but when I was four, we moved to Leicester, uh, which is about only about an hour and a half north of London. But they have a different. Mm -hmm. accent. Mm -hmm. So instead of saying grass, they say grass. Instead of saying much they say much so it's a slightly different accent right yeah yeah anyway so i arrive aged five it's my first day in the outside world as a you know independent person and i start talking like this and the other children laugh at me mm. and, they, and they say you're a bloody nutter as in you're a nutcase you're crazy and i feel unacceptable mm. right yeah so this is what um, Swamiji calls a root pattern. So if, if you imagine all your pain, it's like a tree, but it has a root. Uh, yes. And in my case, to give this example, the root is my first day at school. And the other two other things happened. I reckon it all happened within two minutes. My father was a sales manager and he taught me to be very polite. And so I'm pretty sure I tried to shake hands with some of the other five-year-olds, right? Which they immediately rejected. And I thought you were more of a nutter. <laughs> yeah, like he really was a nutter. And, and they laughed at me. So this is the important part. At the age of five, I concluded, I'm unacceptable. Mm -hmm. I'm not enough. And other people don't support me. Mm -hmm. Limiting beliefs. Yes, they get well, rooted here. Somebody calls it cognitions. It's a, you can almost see it like it's a piece of software which is now running your system. It is in the background for a long, long time. Well, Decades. Decades. Unless, so so yeah. we could even argue for the purpose of this that many of us are running around with this programming as adults. Uh, practically everybody. And it <laughs> comes from, so our five-year-old selves in this case, if yeah. not undone, could be running the show. So we and could yeah, be 45 with five-year-old programming is what well, I hear you say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Swamiji says the... If you look at wars, so nations have root patterns. So you get a whole bunch of people with a similar root pattern, like the world doesn't respect us or we're victims. And then, so you have a clash. Two countries go to war, and it's basically two conflicting root patterns. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I want to put a pin in that because we do have to go to break, but this is, this is riveting. Yes, it's time out. So everybody hang on. We'll be right back when talking with John Perkis, the best-selling author of The Power of Letting Go and discussing these root patterns of pain, which are driving our behavior even as adults. So stay tuned and we'll be back in a couple of minutes to pick up where we left off. Thanks everyone. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about our individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to our program, and here again is Lady Fuller. Everyone, welcome back to Habits for Happiness. We are talking with the best-selling author of The Power of Letting Go, John Perkis, who's amazing. And before the break, John was talking about this idea of the root cause of our pain and our pain roots extending beyond ourselves into cultures, also into countries as being a basis for war. So, John, can you? that was so riveting. Can you pick up where we left off? Because I know that everyone listening would like to know more. Yes. Yeah, so there's... Um... There's a webinar which was recorded um, seven years ago uh, called the Karma Webinar, K-A-R-M-A. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and so what Swamiji says is, you know, you've all got these. Re- he says karma is the pattern in which you are stuck. Mm. Right? So we karma is the pattern in which you are which stuck. You are I just stuck. want to repeat that because it's so amazing. Okay. Yeah, so karma is the pattern in which you are stuck. And essentially everybody is stuck in some way. I mean, billionaires mm-hmm. are stuck. Mm-hmm. We don't get free of our stuckness. No, <laughs> it's part of the human condition. A, well, well, you can get free of it, but 
it won't happen automatically, right? No, we're going to talk uh, about that through this yeah. through this technique. That's what we're talking about. So, so the the big picture is that you com you complete with your own root pattern, right? And you mm -hmm. you liberate yourself from all these patterns. Um, if you do it intensely, ultimately you become enlightened. Uh, along the way, it enables you to manifest what you want in life. Mm -hmm. um, yes, because, because these patterns are preventing you from manifesting what you want. Yes, uh, they are. Swam Swamiji calls it self-doubt, self-hatred, self-denial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the self Sorry. Yes, as I call it, the exhausted, depleted, resentful, self-sabotage cycle. They're all similar. <laughs> exactly. So take my example as a simple one. Um, so self-doubt is I'm unacceptable. People don't like my accent. You know? mm -hmm. uh, self-hatred is I'm not enough. You know, I reach out to these people. I try to shake hands. You know, they don't want to connect with me. You know, I'm speaking as an adult, you know, obviously. Yeah, I, nothing, nothing works, right? Nothing, nothing I works. do works. And then, and then the third one is, is, is self-denial, which is other people, um, you know, other people don't support me. And then the, the risk is, and then, then those are like three. And then, yeah. then it starts to grow, right? And then you get other patterns like uh, one of mine, which hopefully is gone now, self-denial, which is um, life doesn't give me what I want. Right, quite quite a lot mm. of people. So, people have all kinds of patterns. You know, I'm not lovable. Life doesn't give me what I want. I'm acceptable. You know, there's a there's a massive list of these patterns, right? And they keep us as a victim, right? They keep us as a yeah. victim to circumstance. Yeah. Well, one of the clues is that they make us powerless, and they yes. keep us as victims, right? Yeah. And um, and this may shock some people, well, particularly if you've had a Christian upbringing. The first time I went to see Swamiji, he said to all of us, he said, um, I'm not here to convince you that I'm God. I'm, I'm here to convince you that you are God. You oh, know, so the message of this, <laughs> the message of the tradition is you are divine and, mm -hmm. and you're running around with all these pain patterns, you know, mm -hmm. and this is me speaking. You're running around with all these pain patterns, creating nonsense. Totally. <laughs> so can we please get... Can we Can please, we please the the, drop the pain patterns? Okay, John, you have to tell us how, because now everyone's on the edge right, of their well, seat the, like I am. Right. The principle is incredibly simple, and most people don't do it right, including mm -hmm. me for a while. So the principle is, it's called relive to relieve. Mm -hmm. So all you do is, um, is you write down, actually, why don't we take an example, a yeah. practice example. Oh, okay. I could do it with you. So think of something that you would really like to manifest. Okay. Which you haven't manifested yet. Yes. Okay. Do you want to tell me what it is or is it? Um, you know, I'm working on manifesting money in my career. Money. Fine. Okay, money. Perfect. Yeah. Lots of people want money. Good. So the second thing is, and what we normally do is ask people to write down, just listen very carefully to just turn your attention inwards. Listen very carefully. And your mind will start telling you all the reasons why it can't happen. Yeah. I've already been through this, so I know, but I can tell you what's coming up for me right this minute. Oh, okay. so why can't <laughs> you really want to happen? Why because, can't because I'm not worth it. Right. You're not worth it. Okay. That's the opposite of um, the opposite of what the, the adverts tell you, right? There's an advert that tells you you're worth it. Yeah, no, totally. But I think down deep, I have like this belief, like from when I was very little that like I, Maybe it's not a, not worth it, but I think it's something like I don't deserve it. 
Right, okay. Sure. Which one do you want to go with? I, I don't deserve let's go, it. Let's go, I don't deserve it. Okay, I don't deserve it. Right. So I, I hope everyone listening is following this. So step one was, what do I really want? I want money. Step two is, I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Right. So step three is, look inwards and ident- and go back as early as you can to when you first felt that you didn't deserve. And it's not necessarily money. It could be, I didn't deserve an ice cream. I didn't deserve love. When was the first time you felt you didn't deserve something? Yeah. So my mom died by suicide when I was nine. So pretty soon after that, my dad was remarried and I picked up the idea that I didn't deserve anything. And that included money, but it was also love and it was also anything material. I had those things, but it was this belief that like, I didn't matter enough to have what everyone else had, including having a mother. Okay. All right. So, so I, I don't deserve the earliest one you found is nine. Nine. Yes. There may, there's probably an earlier one. There's probably an earlier one. I mean, I think well, we can um, start with nine. Yeah. Nine, is nine, nine, like makes the most sense in, to me, but I think if I did a timeline search, it would probably be much earlier. Yeah. So let's go with nine. And then, so then the question is, um, what's the conclusion? So something happened and and you concluded that I don't deserve. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, um, my mother died by suicide and she left me and I was her only daughter, right? She had a son too, but I felt like all of a sudden I was different from everyone else and that abundance was not something I was going to experience in this lifetime at all. And that included love and that included money and that included pretty much everything. Okay. So this is a really important part is you were nine and you came to a conclusion. Yes. Right. Just as I was five and I came to a conclusion. Yes. Like I concluded I'm unacceptable. You concluded I don't deserve. Right. Yes. Yes. This is the really important part is you and I came to that conclusion. It wasn't somebody else. No, I came to that conclusion. Yes. Yeah. Because I concluded it because I felt like if my mom left, I didn't deserve to have a life like everyone else was seemingly having, like everyone seemed like they were having all the things and I was not having them. So I, it must be me. Right. Right. Okay. So, so we concluded and the, the really good news is, is we can change that. So, <laughs> so we came to that conclusion. Yes. Yes. We can also remove that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Well, the role of the guru is to help us do that. But, right, right. Uh, but you know, we have what we need to do that, right? So this is the principle. Principle. The technique is incredibly simple. And I'm not going to ask you to do this now because yep. some, some people will just cry. Well, yes. <laughs> it's best to do this on your own. I've done uh, a lot of this work, but yes, we won't do it now. In, I won't, in, in I'm interest not, of time. I'm yes. not going to be crying during a podcast. Yes. Uh, so so what, what you do is you... You don't, the important thing is you don't remember you or rationalize or analyze, you relive. So you go back, mm-hmm. um, you know, make a warm drink, clo- sit on your own, close your eyes, go back to the age of nine and intensely relive the incident mm-hmm. when you came to that conclusion. So I do this every day. It's like taking a shower. I clean out my inner space every day, right? Wow. Uh, but just as you would clean your hair or, you know. Yeah, this is amazing. Right. So, so often, normally I do, well, this morning I did some yoga, then I just sat down and I did this. 
Oh, well, actually, no, we did meditation first. What's interesting is if you meditate first frequently, you may have noticed this, a lot of the rubbish comes up during meditation. Yes, yes. It's like getting a spiritual facial, as I say. Yeah, so all this stuff comes up. <laughs> now, now I need to know, now I know what I need to do during completions, right? So so I sit, I'm describing it. I'll, I'll describe mine and then you can do yours, right? Okay, okay. In the show, but you can do it. So what I do is, to, coming back to my example, okay, so I'm five years old, the sun is shining, I'm with my mum, I say goodbye to my mum, I arrive at this school, there are lots of big children running around, I go in the classroom, I start talking, the other children laugh at me, I try to make friends, but they laugh at the way I speak, and I conclude that I'm unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and what I do is I relive, I just relive that, like I'm the protagonist, you know, the main character in a movie, mm-hmm. and, I, and I relive it as a five-year-old, right, not as an adult. And, and I just allow myself to feel any emotion. And it can be laughter. It can be crying. I've never seen it, but some people vomit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just purging. Just You just allow it all to come out. I mean, it's, okay. this may sound, it's, you're sque- it's like squeezing pus out of a wound, basically. Yes, yes. You just allow yourself to do it. And so that's what you just do it intensely, 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 right? Um, and if you keep doing it over and over again, you can do it in several sessions. What happens is it gradually diminishes. Yeah. Take out and, the emotional charge. Yeah. And so my experience is, you know, I can still remember being suicidal. I can still remember my, my first day at school, but they've lost the emotional charge. I mean, the analogy mm. I use, it's become like a book in a library. Yeah. It's a story. I can go and fetch it, but it's not running my life. Now, there are, there are a couple of things here, which some Westerners find difficult because, well, I think actually a lot of Westerners understandably associate religion with violence. <laughs> this know, is another podcast, but I'm in agreement here. <laughs> um, at, at the core, so Swamiji is, you know, a very senior Hindu monk, right? Right. Yeah. Um, who run uh, the apex of a very large organization, but the, at the core of Hinduism is nonviolence. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're vegetarian; they don't hurt anybody, and you don't do anything through violence, mental or physical, right? So if you can at least accept, you know, once you once we latch onto the idea that Swamiji and this whole ecosystem is non-violent right. and not going to hurt anybody. Right. And it, and it takes people a while to accept that. But once you accept that, what, what we do is we can relive, for example, at the age of nine, but if that, if you can't find it, you, it might be that you relive this episode at nine and an earlier one just comes up automatically. That's fine. Right. Yeah. But some people get, just get stuck and, and what we do, we just ask like, Swamiji, please show me. And then I'm walking down the street and it just comes up in a flash. Yes, 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 it happens. And um, the same, by the way, just as a aside, there are 430 shaktis or yogic powers, mm-hmm. like healing, body scanning, blindfold reading, all these things. And a lot of them involve just asking Swamiji to show and then and, and it just appears, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's the role of, it's called an avatar, someone who comes down to help humanity. So the role of the avatar, like Swamiji, is to help us to become enlightened. And that means, that includes showing you the pain patterns that you can't find. Yeah, yeah. Like the one, you know, in my case, I didn't know what my first, when my pain patterns started, and suddenly it came in a flash on a phone call. Yeah. That's the avatar. And, and our pain patterns, just for listeners, are what take our power away in the present. Right. Yeah, they, they make us completely powerless. And and the, and this is the really important thing, which is one reason why I tell everybody about this is 
most people are unconscious so they're running around <laughs> uh, Swamiji is very direct he calls it delusion right mm -hmm. you're running around living your life from your root pattern so most people yes in business for example the number of business people who are reacting to something that happened in their childhood and they're 50 or 60. yes still yes. driven I work with executives and, you know, we talk about triggers a lot and we work on doing some belief unpacking and timeline searches to find these wounds, right? These pain I, patterns. I, yeah. And I always say, you know, like at most everyone in the workplace, including you, not you, John, but you, this hypothetical person is walking around with a pain pattern that's usually predates, let's say 10 years old. Yes. And so you have a bunch of adult children driving yeah, yeah. and and parenting and running companies, <laughs> you know, if you look at, and it's insane. And if you think about it in that way, and the way people react quite negatively when they're triggered is, you know, they find that old pain, that old pain pattern comes up and then they're reacting from that old pain pattern, which doesn't yeah. necessarily fit the present day crime. Right. So you get these sort of like out of whack reactions and then people feel all this shame because they're not yeah. totally sure. So if we can clear up that old stuff, we then, in my version of enlightenment, is we become, you know, mature spiritual adults. Yes. And as we become mature spiritual adults, we then can can function from our adult self. Yes. And so, if we can learn how to function from our adult self, then we there have more agency over all of these things. And then you talk about this idea in your work about act, being able to then access sort of our intuition and therefore access our reaction to others. So, I'd love to hear how. You wanted you talked about how our relationships can improve so much when we don't buy into other people's pain patterns. Yeah, yes. I mean, uh, the word agency is very important, and um, I think in the current culture, because you know I go to the US every now and then. There's this whole thing about identity, you know, identity politics, and mm -hmm. and uh, frankly, I think it's very dangerous because uh, another in the Eastern traditions, identity is another word for ego, right? Yeah. Because if you identify 100% with your ethnicity, with your education, with your language, all that stuff, you're setting yourself up for conflict with other people, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you put my friends in a room, it looks like they look like the United Nations, right? Yeah. But, but it's, for me, it's a celebration of diversity. It's not because we all come in different shapes, sizes, and colors and abilities right. and everything. But, but it's not so that's like a celebration as opposed to well i'm this color and this nationality and this language and this religion and getting if you get if you get attached to all of that it's just going to create massive problems i mean one of my favorite examples i used to think the the london underground the tube was good right but mm -hmm. i i think i think facebook is brilliant because you can just see people being triggered all day long by what <laughs> Yeah, if you want to see adult children operating in modern day society, look at your Facebook feed. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. So I studied economics and someone made some pronouncement the other day and I just wrote a, a comment. And, you know, he'd read, he'd, he'd read one book about economics by some very different. <laughs> I just wrote a comment, you know, just putting another point of view. And his final comment was, just read the book, dude, don't waste my time. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Well, you know, fortunately, he's in Dubai, you know, suitable distance away. But, you know, but people swear at each other and they insult each other and they do all this stuff. But it's all based on triggers, right? Of course, of course. So so let's say that we do this completion work yeah. and we've dropped pain patterns. They become stories in a book on our shelves, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> so tell us then how that shapes us 
in our ability to not react to other people's pain patterns. Cause this is so, so yeah. like where, how do, how does one have someone yell at them and be triggered and then not respond because we do live in a marrying universe. So it is difficult to not be so, triggered you know, back. In a what universe? Saying we do live in, a, I believe we live in a marrying universe. Yes. Yes. So it's very difficult. Um, it's definitely true. And you talk about this in your book that when we start to show up differently, everyone in our lives begins to show up differently, yeah. which is a beautiful gift, right? By our ability to let go of our pain patterns, we actually heal others. Yes, yes. Which definitely. is this amazing butterfly effect. So tell yeah. us about that, not buying into other people's pain patterns, therefore having agency over our ability to respond and not react. Yeah, the, the way I see it is it starts earlier than that. So, and it's actually very positive. So, so Swamiji says everything is auspicious, like everything is, is basically everything is good for you, right? So yes. imagine you're going along and someone does something that really winds you up, really triggers you, right? Been there. <laughs> yeah, right? So this is a blessing because this person, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the, with the shadow, right? Mm -hmm. This person is a reflection of you. They are showing you your pain pattern. They are teachers. Yeah, well what they're doing is they do something which triggers you. This is telling you what you need to complete. Right. So for example, I'll give an example. Uh, well, maybe you, you give an example. Think of something that annoys you. Yeah. So um, I don't love it when people drive slow and I definitely drive too fast. Okay. So when people <laughs> drive slowly, people drive slowly. How? Um, okay. So that, that triggers you. How do you feel? I feel frustrated okay. and i feel very very impatient which is sort of like this energetic um, okay frustrated and impatient okay so that's yes. clearly they're driving they you know they don't even know you they're driving a car but they've managed to trigger something in you fine yes so, yes so if you go back look back over your life when is the first time you felt frustrated or impatient about anything yeah anything um anything at all I've, I felt very frustrated um, when I was young because my parents were often um, fighting and then like leaving the house and I couldn't control any of it. And okay. I was very frustrated because I wanted to have peace. Okay. So you've, yeah, I'm, par I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you, you, you were powerless, right? Yes. Yes. Which is a classic symptom of, in of incompletion, right? So yes. how, how old were you? about six or seven. Oh, okay we're working our way back good yes. <laughs> so you're six or seven okay so same thing so what you do is you make a warm drink sit down uh, by the warm drink isn't essential that's just yes yeah i love a warm drink but that's it's yes not, it's not a magic potion you just sit there you close your eyes and you intensely relive being six or seven this incident and and relive feeling frustrated impatient mm -hmm. uh, Anyway, the point is you do that really, really intensely and your mind will find a hundred reasons for you not to do it, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, but you sit and you do it intensely over and over and over again. And what will typically happen is people like that slow driver will show up less and less in your life. You'll basically stop creating that situation. Yeah. The, this the lesson. So the underlying principle is that you create everything in your life. You are responsible. So if you're creating slow drivers who are triggering your frustration, it's up to you to complete that frustration pattern. And then what will happen is, what well, my experience is people either change or they go away and they're replaced by new people. Yeah, 
Yeah, because we've learned that lesson. You've learned that ourselves. lesson. If you want to imagine, if you imagine enlightenment is going up a hundred floors in a building, you kind of go up a floor and then you find yourself surrounded by different people. I, I, and probably a new pattern that I need to break. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, the point is it's all good. No, it's all good. This is I, We want to raise our what I would call vibration by keep going up floors, right? We want to change our frequency. So we start operating at a really high frequency and then attract other people that are on our frequency, that are on our floor. And what so, John, does, go so ahead. What does is it moves you up. And if you do it intensely, you can move up relatively quickly. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to do that right after this podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> So, John, please tell viewers how they can find more of you. How can they find your books? Um, oh. How can they find your services? Give us the whole spiel. Oh well, um, I mean, I don't, I don't do, I don't do coaching. I point everybody towards Swamiji because he's mm-hmm. reviving the whole tradition. Actually, it's quite funny. A while ago, he he announced he was sitting on his golden throne, which isn't expensive. It's just golden, and he <laughs> said, um, he said, "I bless you to be my ambassador to the intellectual world." <laughs> Wonderful. I thought, great. Well, I'm already doing it. So I just do it more. Um, uh, yeah. So in terms of finding me, I have a website, which is johnperkis.com. So it's J-O-H-N-P-U-R-K-I-S-S.com. Uh, the books are on there. They're also on Amazon. Actually, the most of the, as far as I can tell, most of the sales of The Power of Letting Go are in the US. Oh, wow. And 40% are on Audible. So it's, it's partly thanks to you doing podcasts. <laughs> Might not only be me, but thank you so much for saying that. So, and if and tell us about your current. You're also. Do you speak? Do you? Uh, I haven't. Well, the the um, the pandemic killed off the speaking. I mean, recently I've been doing quite a lot of podcasts, which I really like. Yeah, great. Um, if anyone wants to do a podcast, I'm I, I like podcasts. So yeah, and so I recruit senior executives. Oh, and I've just with a, a colleague, we've started a new business called Enlightened Ventures. So, Swamji yes, said, yes, yes you should start enlightenment centric businesses. So we decided we would start a business called enlighten. It's enlightened.ventures. That's the URL. And we raise money for high growth companies, which are doing very good things for the world. This is amazing. Enlightened ventures. And if someone wants to find that, is there a website? The website is is enlightened.ventures. Oh, well, that's easy. And it's also on my, um, it's on johnperkis.com. Okay, amazing. So everyone check out johnperkis.com, P-U-R-K-I-S-S, and look for The Power of Letting Go on Amazon. It's an amazing book or download it on Audible. It's a wonderful listen. And I appreciate everyone being here today. And John, thank you for the riveting conversation. This has been, I could have talked to you for hours and hours and hours, just skimming the surface. But um, I appreciate you and everything you shared with us and the listeners today. Thank you for inviting me. And uh... I wish everyone lots of success in completing. Yes. Try completion, everyone. The completion technique. You can find more about it in chapter three of The Power of Letting Go, John's work. And everybody, please join me next week for another riveting conversation about a habit that can help you with your overall happiness. Thanks so much, everyone, and take care. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.